Hello and welcome to the Wabi Sabi series podcast, unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, a corporate exec turned author who has recently written a series of books about topics we don't often talk about. Things like death, grief, not having kids, and the unexplained power doctors often wield over us. Apparently, some of my books have made some people feel a little uncomfortable, but I felt that I wanted to have far more conversations around weird, wonderful, and sometimes taboo topics. So I reached out to some interesting people and asked them just one question. If there is one topic that you'd love society to talk more about, what would it be and why? And what they've shared with me has been amazing. So let's dive in and see where the conversation takes us. That's how we need to think about mental health like we do with physical health. That if we focus on it, we train it, we look after it, we're willing to talk about it, then we can actually go from not just waiting till we're down to getting back to better, but going from better to best. Nicholas Brown has spent most of his career in not-for-profit organisations as well as in state and local government. Working with young people in Australia and overseas has been the main focus for Nick, and in 2015 he began work at Batia as the school program manager in the early stages of Batia's growth. He moved through the ranks quickly and took on the role of CEO in 2019, where he continues today to support Batia's growth and reach towards smashing the stigma around mental health and empowering young people to create a mentally healthy Australia. Nick's work to date has enabled him to gain valuable experience in preventative education, mental health and suicide prevention in the areas of schools, universities, and the importance of shared lived experience stories and vulnerability. Nick has sat on advisory committees for the Global Coalition for Youth Mental Health and on the Integrated Content Technical Advisory Group for the Beyond Blue National Education Initiative, and he currently sits on Suicide Prevention Australia's Policy Committee. Nick is an impressive individual, but he's also just a really nice guy. So I was thrilled to get him on the show and talk about some of the things that he's really passionate about. Nick, it is so good to have you here on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Michelle. It's, um, yeah, I'm excited to have a chat with you today. Wonderful. So if there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? Look, I think um, society could talk a lot more about what they're going through when Life's tough, you know, when things are hard, how can we be better at reaching out or talking to people about it? That's essentially it. I think there's a lot in that, but I think it's a really important one. Beautiful conversation. And I think, you know, not, none more pertinent than what's going on at the moment, right? So like we're sitting here and, um, you know, half the country is in lockdown and half isn't. And so, you know, there's a lot of people doing it tough. And as you say, like we tend to, you know, put the shiny stuff or we talk about, especially I guess with social media, we talk about all the, you know, the fabulous things that we're doing and how life's good. But your point is actually we need to talk about when things are not so good. So where does that come from? Yeah, I think that's a really good a really good question. And I mean, there's probably two ways to answer it. One's my personal perspective on the need for us to be authentic and real and, and vulnerable and the impact that that can have on others to feel the right to do the same. Also, the opportunity that provides people to be there for you. I think, so on a personal front, I've grown up feeling like a real role I can play in the world is by turning up for people. And I'm not good at that 
on a general sense. I'm not a great mate, to be honest. I'm not great at like checking in on my friends. Good thing to admit. Yeah, (laughs) I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I have great mates. I'll remember that. (laughs) Yeah, I have great mates. I'm not a great one. I'm not great at birthdays or checking in, you know, all the time on how people are going or whatever. But if someone needs me, I like to think I'm there for them and I'll be there and I'll listen. And I get a lot out of that, you know, and I think we as a society could get a lot out of providing those opportunities so there's that that side the personal side but also in what i do you know i work for a youth mental health organization our whole message is around sharing real stories being vulnerable and the impact that that can have on reducing stigma and um, helping young people get the support that they need sooner uh, and it's, I mean, the work you do at Batia is beautiful. Um, fantastic sort of segue into that, I guess. But, you know, that you must have seen some change going on, I guess, with the environment and what sort of happened in the last six months. You know, how are people dealing with the challenging times? You know, have you seen uh, an increase in people not dealing with it so well? Yeah, we are. And, and we'll continue to see that. We were talking earlier about Lifeline and they've seen huge increases in their calls. And that's the case across kind of all mental health services, you know, significant increases in people accessing support. And I think, you know, on one hand, there's positives in that, you know, there's, there's the positives that we are in a time where people are a little bit more open to, to talk about when they're struggling. And as a society, we're kind of a bit more open to listening to what people have been through. But I think there's a lot of work to be done there. And I don't think that that's going to change. You know, we're going to see unemployment have significant impacts on mental health issues. We're going to see family stress and finances and, and those sorts of things. And so I think one thing is, you know, relying on professional services, but the other is, um, is the community stepping up and working out how all of us can play a role in getting support if we need it, getting it early, being open and willing to do that, but also you know being there for the people that we love or the people that need us. Beautiful. I think that's a really good point about the community and how you know we you know there's lots of us that are not in that profession and we're not mental health experts but we certainly can reach out to others so and you know just sort of check in and just say know mates and maybe do a better job than you're doing but anyway <laughs> fair, do no, fair step. I'll take that <laughs> so what can people do what are the types of things that you feel that we could do better so the whole premise of what you want to talk about is us as humans talking about when we're struggling and when things are shit and actually stop sugarcoating stuff that's one element but then also how can others help them through that yeah and i think i guess the other thing as you're saying i think it's also important to be grateful and to like celebrate you know when life's good and and tell the world about when life's good and share the wins with with people and so i don't think it's necessarily about wallowing in the tough stuff in life but i think when shit's hard let's talk about it because i think often we see we often only see the good in what other people are doing in their lives like that because it's just how we do things and people talk a lot about instagram being about that but we do it in our lives you know we'll often shout from the rooftops and share about promotions say at work but we don't so much do that when you know we're really struggling in our relationship when we get home i think it's a one of those cyclical things that when we hold that stuff back other people hold it back if we're only talking about what's good then there's no real opportunity to go actually that i went through that and i can help you actually like i have had that experience and it was really hard but time helped or meditation helped or i focused on getting enough sleep 
whatever it is that can be really helpful to help someone and so yeah exercise and or to your literal point like just literally walking with people because isn't there something around that where you're walking side by side it's actually less confrontational to talk about tough topics rather than looking at someone straightforward and you know being much more vulnerable about that so if you want to talk to someone but you feel a little bit vulnerable then just go for a walk along you know side by side by them it might actually be easier for you they say that for for men particularly as well that traditionally or stereotypically we're not great at sitting down having a cup of tea and chatting through you know tough stuff but maybe an opportunity to open up would be on a walk or exercising together or going for a surf or if you're out and about doing stuff it kind of just makes it a little bit easier to have those conversations so in terms of practical tips one would be that if you need support if you're doing it tough like work out who to speak to whether it's friends family or psychologists like professional support or not like just talk and see if it helps the other side is is listen i think sometimes the best thing that we can do is just is is listen and provide a positive response we hear a lot of stories so part of the work we do at batir is training people to share their experiences in like a safe and positive way and give a voice to what they're what they've been through because it's hard to condense our life into a story we help them do that and a lot of things that we hear is around the best thing that happened in them sort of going in the direction of getting support is when someone was a you know a listening ear gave a positive response and we also hear the times when that's not the case when someone says just suck it up or someone says you know just push through because it just means you go okay well maybe that's what i'm gonna do and then you hold on to it for another six months yeah meanwhile you could be getting some relief and some assistance or in some cases medication right because there's always been the stigma about that it's it's interesting your point about listening because i think that's a critical part that we could all do better and often it is around holding space for someone so rather than trying to fix things or trying to change shit or fix them or fix their scenario in a lot of these cases you can't but it's actually just holding space for them to be able to talk in a really frank and vulnerable manner that they feel um you know there's a trust element there and they feel safe in that with you i guess that's really vital right if you have a topic burning inside you that you'd love to talk more about and have a conversation with me I'd love to hear from you. So drop me a line at hello at wabisabiseries.com. Let's head back to the chat. When it comes to mental health and suicide, one of the barriers is we think because we're not professionals, what can we do? And, um, and another thing we hear from stories is this idea of anchor person or anchor people where throughout the ups and downs of their experiences and life essentially like we've all got mental health so we all go through our ups and downs but through those experiences we did some research last year on on a bunch of stories and tried to pull themes out and one of them was this idea of an anchor person and the idea behind that is that it's it was the one person they could identify that was with them through all of their experiences the ups and downs that helped them get the support that they need to then be able to kind of better look after themselves and and again, like to, to what we talked about at the very start was we can all be that anchor person for someone. And that's sometimes all we need to do. And we hear often from parents kind of feeling really bad about seeing their children going through tough times and feeling like there's nothing they can do. And um, when we hear these stories of these young people that, have, that were kids and now at 18, 20, 25 are saying that, you know, their parents just being there for them through that period is what ended up getting them the support that they needed. And so when you're right in the middle of it, 
and you feel like you're adding no value, we know that those conversations are critical. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, you know, the, the encouragement would be yeah, get alongside people, try and listen, learn how to point people in the right direction, but you don't need to be a professional. And as you say, if you don't have the answer or you, you know, the suck it up type thing or you'll be fine or you'll get over it or you'll grow out of this, like those kind of comments are not helpful. And so if you are a little bit lost and not sure of how to help, then potentially as an anchor person, then maybe you need to talk to some people and say, how can I assist here? What are the things that I can do rather than, um, you know, kind of brushing it off? Because if a child especially has come to you and been vulnerable enough to talk to you about it. Like that's a big leap in itself, right? You know, a lot of the work you do obviously is with children in, in schools and getting them to talk about their experiences. Um, and I, I imagine a lot of those are really negative, but you know, it's a, a massive leap to get them to chat about it. Do you think that kids are better at that when you give them the forum and the tools and the ability to talk about, you know, some of their um, mental health challenges? Do you think they're better than adults are? Uh, that's a good question. I guess my initial response would be it's always hard to like group people together because there's massive differences between the generations and I think adults or the generation before the group they're in high school, you know, traditionally were probably brought up in often more stoic sort of homes, more conversations around you've just got to get through it, like tough it out. And this generation is probably a little bit more used to if you if you need help, like ask for it, and and probably a little bit more prone to having those conversations. So, um, but that that comes with risks, you know. That comes with you know questions around resilience, and and we often hear that conversation about that generation. So, I I'd say overall probably a little bit better at talking about it, but there's still so much to do. We do this activity at programs where we we ask a question around what do you think of when you hear the words mental health at the start of a program? And it's things like anxiety, depression, loneliness, darkness, all these negative words. And, and we, you know, we get them to put their hands up and say, um, do you feel like most of those words are positive words and then negative words? And most of them are negative. And then we go through the program. We hear these stories of these amazing young people that have kind of gone through adversity and worked out how to kind of support themselves and those around them. Their journey doesn't end. It's not like they're they're just never going to have a tough time again, but they've learned some tools and tricks. And then we ask the same question. You hear things like strength, resilience, um, friendship, um, community, and like are those are those words negative or, or positive? And, and it's positive. And there's this real shift in how we talk about mental health. And I think that's the work that needs to be done, regardless of the generation. I think that's fantastic because I do agree. Like I always get a little bit like Ooh, when I talk about mental health as well because you do feel that it's it's a negative thing. Like it's that just that terminology rather than, you know, as you said before, we all have mental health. It's not a bad thing. It's, yeah, that's it's a really interesting point. Yeah, we, we for mental health, for some reason, we go straight towards mental ill health. Good point. Mental ill health. That's right. That's the better, finer definition. That makes sense. Yeah. Whereas with physical health, if you say, what's physical health? People will say exercise, running, you know, fitness. Um, and there's this real positive. They don't take broken legs. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, and, and that's the work, you know, that we're, we're trying to do, that, that shift. And, and so, yeah, there's a lot, lot to be done. But Maybe it's come from the fact that for many years it was called mental, mental illness. Maybe that's it. And we've become wiser, you know, in, in the terminology around is actually, you know, mental health. Now that that's actually positive and negative, but yeah, mental ill health. That's a really good point. Yeah, and I mean, even in psychology, there's been a shift um, over the last couple of decades around the role of 
psychology. And so um, in the past, it was about uh, if someone is in distress, how do you help navigate that person back to help? But now there's kind of a notion that, or an idea around positive psychology, it's been around a while, it's not like a new thing, but that this idea that you don't need to stop there and that we can when we're talking about mental health and we're talking about our brain and, and psychology, we can actually go beyond that into thriving and, um, and high performance. And so a lot of positive psychologists will work with people like athletes and things that take people to the next level. And I think that's how we need to think about mental health like we do with physical health, that if we focus on it, we train it, we look after it, we're willing to talk about it, then we can actually go from not just waiting till we're down to getting back to better, but going from better to best. But it is such a nuance, but it's such a great convo to have around, as you say, like we talk about it in business where I had this really good conversation earlier on in the podcasts about having a coach. You know, we're an athlete, you have a coach and these are the things. And so we know that that's how it works. And so now people are more open. You know, they used to think it was wanky to have a coach in business or, you know, in it, like in terms of your career coach. Now people are actually understanding the value that that adds, like of having someone that actually has this expertise in these areas that can help you level up faster, right? But to your point about, you know, that mental health, having, you know, the check-ins. I remember someone saying about, you know, you go to the gym, you do all these things for your physical health and... And, you know, you've got a sore tummy or you've got, as you said, broken your foot, you go to the doctor. But people always think about if there's something not quite right, you're feeling a bit depressed or, you know, there's something not, you're not feeling yourself from a, um, a mental, you know, health aspect that it's negative. And I can't see anyone about it because everyone's going to think that I, like there's something psychologically wrong with me rather than going, well, that's a part of our body. And we don't understand it. Our body's complex and our brain's like the most complex. So get people to help that know that better than us. You know, and and you know, get us on check and get us to advance and to level up in that regard as well. Yeah, and I think you know, like we, I've not always been good at. It. I remember um, a conversation with a family member. I don't know if they're okay for me saying it, so I'm not going to say which family member. But when I was growing up, that they were struggling with depression and had been advised to get medication, and I found out about it. They told me, and I just kind of said, you know, you just need to go on a holiday, like just chill out for a bit and and you'll be fine like and you know like now I look back on that conversation I just think how much more helpful I could have been and supportive and how much more impact that would have had on that person getting the support that they needed essentially made them feel like they shouldn't be on medication and agreed you know yeah I should just go and chill out and I will be fine and um and you know they are fine but I think we can be partners in kind of just trying to help each other get through those tough times and we don't need to question whether it's real for them or not it's their experience is their experience and all we can do is kind of just try and help so that positive response can make a huge difference yeah absolutely but it's also that you know the connotation element and it's the as we said that you know the real negative and the stigmatism around mental health is what really needs to change because you have a heart attack or you've got you know bad cholesterol then you've been put on medication we all go oh yeah that makes sense but as you say, you're depressed and people go on medication, you're like, whoa, you know, it just needs to change. Like this is, you know, people need to open up their minds with this sort of stuff, quite literally, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, think a little bit broader about this, but you guys are doing amazing work. And I think the fact that you're start, you know, you do so much in schools and with children, I think is a great starting point. And I imagine that to the point that you're helping the kids, but then that helps the parents and that would have a wider impact in their families, which um, is probably really beautiful, huh? Yeah. Um, and like Petit has been around a few years now, but early we were really focusing just on, on the young people. But 
we very quickly learnt and realised the important role that the whole kind of community plays on supporting young people and parents are a big part of that. And so, yeah, we do we do training for parents and teachers and stuff as well and have the whole, you know, um, community involved in this conversation so that when a student or a young person goes home, the conversation they have at home can be similar to the one they're having with their friends at school, which is really important. And I think that kind of lends into something else we were sort of discussing was around your belief of people listening more and talking less. So I'm curious on your view about, you know, that space as well. And especially in this area, as we said, holding space for someone. So how can we improve in that area? I um, probably would say I'm not like a super confrontational person. And so often I get a little bit uncomfortable when I'm in a situation where everyone's just sharing their often what I would call opinion (laughs) or their view on what's right or wrong in the world. I struggle with that because I think whatever that is, whatever our opinion is, we've learned it in some way. And whether that's through our experience or through education or through um, our parents or or whatever it is, like we learn everything as we go through life. And so our opinions can be very well founded and backed, but often what it happens when we're just pushing that forward I think is that the other person doesn't get an opportunity to learn anything because they have their own opinions based on whatever their education and their learning and their experience is um, and I don't think we do enough of just being willing to listen and learn another perspective rather than share our own I mean we see it like on news and Q&A and um, social media newspapers like wherever you go it's just listening to people's opinions and I think that's important but it's as important to kind of create those moments where you're willing to just kind of go, why do they have that perspective? Like if I deeply want to learn why they have such a different view on the world or this situation or this decision to me, I think we can just go so much further rather than just all trying to kind of push our own perspective. It's a really good point. And I think it's something I've been trying to do, I guess, in the last sort of couple of years to be more acutely aware of because I'm an inquisitive soul. So when something, someone says something to me, you know, and I'm, I'm not confrontational, I'm, I'm like you in that regard, but I'm curious. So, but when someone says something that so I vehemently completely disagree with, I'm like, yeah, you know, but to your point, I've been really trying to self-check myself there. When I have that reaction, I'm like, Oh, okay. What's triggering? Why is that triggering me? And to your point, what can I learn from these guys? Because their view is so different to mine. You know, they have come from a completely different angle or their life growing up or whatever. So what is it about that that I could potentially learn? So then before I say anything, I might ask another question or I dig in a little bit deeper. And it is tough. I've got to say, it's tough not to jump in. You're right, though. You have these great conversations where you come away and you're like, whoa, I would never have learned that or understood that or known where they're coming from without asking those other questions. Well, I think, first of all, when I first met you, I, the, one of the big impressions I got was that you're a listener. So I don't know that that's a massive challenge. I think, like, I mean, the fact you do this, which is just asking questions of other people. So I'm sure it's not too much of a challenge. But I think the other thing about it is that one of the things is you can learn. But the other, the, the other point is often the whole reason we're having that conversation or we passionately are pushing our view forward is because we want them to understand our view and we think the best way to convince them and this is like i got no idea if this is true or not by the way i'm not I haven't researched this this is just completely my view um which is what i'm saying shouldn't do um but <laughs> <laughs> <which is> ironic. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I think when we, when we do that and we want to take people on a journey and we just share our opinion, we think the best way to do it is if I outsmart them or if I share all the back, like the reason why mine's right or whatever, it just creates more of a barrier. It's Instead true. of being like, I want to take them on the journey with me to land where I think they, I should, they should land. But that takes like that ability to stop and listen and kind of go, I get it and truly try and get it and truly try and understand. And I think you can often land about there. You know, you, you don't land totally on one end or the other um, if you've got those kinds of views, but you're closer to the middle. You're closer to like understanding. You're closer to friendship or community, which just makes life so much easier. Yeah, but it's also, it's deeper than that, Nick. I think it's, you know, the more we understand about each other and about people that are different to us, the more empathy we have, the more, you know, the world will be a better place, the less wars it will have, you know, me being altruistic. But, you know, fundamentally, that's what it's about, right? It's always about misunderstanding. And, you know, I'm a well-traveled person. I'm in tourism for so long that all the different countries and places I've been, I'm always so fascinated about other people's cultures and learning about the things that they're passionate about and what makes them tick and why they have the values and beliefs that they do. And a lot of that comes into religion. Um, You know, I grew up with a mother that was brought up Irish Catholic and she married my father who was atheist. So that was a very interesting mix. So I've always been intrigued by religion, but I cannot handle anyone that tries to push it upon me. I'm like, I, you know, whatever you believe in, you know, each to their own. And I'm intrigued. And often I'll ask people about, you know, particular religions that I don't know enough about and I want to learn more. And I'm like, you know, before I ask you these questions, if this is offensive at all, please let me know. But I, I'm actually, I want to learn more about your religion and, and some of the traditions and uh, that they adhere to and the, the processes they go through. And I'll ask if it's offensive or I'm crossing lines, please tell me. But I actually want to learn about it because I f- see people do um, those kind of elements and I'm really intrigued. But if someone tries to force their religion on me, it's just like it just gets my back up. And I don't, as you say, like I shut down not interested, don't want to progress this. So, you know, I think your point's really valid. Yeah, in all sorts of different conversations. And often it is things like religion or politics or like those ones where we've, for some reason, well, maybe not for some reason, but we hold so tightly to to those sorts of um, things that kind of, I mean, for religion, for a lot of people, that is um, their complete worldview. It's what they believe they're on the earth to do is to live that, that life politics i don't get as much i don't know i don't get as what why as much we hold so tightly to those decisions or those certain parties or whatever but i think it's just that community it's like this is yeah this is what this is what i believe in and and what's behind my thinking and beliefs and so totally i think if we can just take a step back and kind of go i'm wanting to listen more um, we can learn so much more and i agree i think we can change the world by doing that although i'm doing a lot of talking right now so but I'm interviewing you, so that's yeah. fine. But I think that's a lovely way to bring it all uh, to full circle here, Nick. So give me any parting words of wisdom. or And I think the, the key element, if there's one thing that you wish people would maybe change or think about a bit more, that you want them to go away from this podcast based on the fact that they, you know, need to be talking less, listening more, and, um, you know, those kind of elements, what would it be? I guess the first one would be a bit of a one of my favourite quotes that I've seen Ricky Gervais say, and I mentioned it last night and so it reminded me, and I think it makes sense here, is no one else knows what they're doing either. I think is 
like just so true that we all have this imposter syndrome whether it's professionally or in our life but we're all making up sometimes we feel like bad parents sometimes we feel like bad kids like but we're all working it out in life and I think the more we can just kind of say realize that no one's got it all sorted some people are great at their job and like there's elements of people's life that they've got nailed but Overall, there's so much for everyone to learn. If we were more willing to say that, I think we'd learn a lot more from each other. But the important thing would be if you are struggling right now, so is a lot of people. And if you getting support's not enough uh, of a reason to get support, um, think about the people that you, the love, that you love and how much impact that can have in them, but also the permission that that gives other people that might need support if you, if you reach out. So be a good listener. If someone's reaching out to you, or reach out for support if you need it. Yeah, such great, great advice. So thank you so much, Nick. It's just uh, fabulous to hear your views on this today. And um, I come away with a big um, smile on my face thinking about lovely things and some stuff that I can change. So it's been a beautiful conversation. We'll uh, hopefully see you soon. Great to chat to you. Thanks, Michelle. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, you'll find all the show notes and interesting links on our website, wabisabiseries.com. If you'd like to hear more unexpected conversations, please subscribe to the series, follow us on our socials, or grab one of my books. And if you're in a generous mood, I'd love you to share the episode, or maybe even rate, review, and comment on the series. It really does make a difference. Until next time, be sure to claim your own piece of wabi-sabi and walk proud in your perfect imperfections.